Bienvenido, bienvenue, and welcome to Samaritan Conversations. account of an event over 2,000 years ago, there's a story of a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho who was attacked by bandits. The priest saw the attacked person and opted to pass the other way. A Levite, a religious leader, also opted to pass the other way. Then according to Luke's version, a certain Samaritan, someone outside the religious establishment who was marginalized, stopped and helped. Samaritan Conversations is a podcast focused on community and business leaders who live as that certain Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. Welcome to the show today, Amy Korn of AWC Strategies. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Amy, and to get us started? Absolutely. Well, first, thank you for having me. I love the uh, title of the broadcast, The Good Samaritan, Samaritan Stories. Anytime I'm asked to speak, I always reflect back and think, why me? And I hope we get a chance to talk about the Samaritan woman at some point uh, in the mm -hmm. conversation. And so uh, a little bit about me. I am uh, a communicator and marketer and a strategist by profession. But I think for this conversation, what's more relevant is I grew up in rural America, in rural Tennessee. And a Baptist church, right, going every Sunday and every Wednesday. My father worked in a factory for 47 years. We grew up on a farm. My mother did odd jobs um, around the community. But I think that word community is what is at the core. So it was a small um, rural agriculture town. It's a town my parents grew up in, meaning I had some of the wow. same teachers in school and high school that my parents had. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm the, I'm the youngest of three children, and I think uh, that small town has defi defined much of who I am today, that community, uh, humility, integrity, that sense of, um, of commandeering and, and gathering together, that necessity to depend upon each other in both good times and bad. Yep. Outside of, outside of that, I also, I, I'm a first-generation college graduate. I drove myself from about 30 miles south of Knoxville up to Knoxville, Tennessee, and enrolled myself in college. My parents said, okay, well, good for you, but we don't know exactly what that means or how you're going to do it, but, <laughs> but we wish you well. <laughs> so I'm a University of Tennessee graduate, and um, from there, I... I went into the workforce and yet another very transform, transformational time in my life. So there's a theme that you'll hear as I describe somewhat of my journey, which is life is a journey and I'm still on it. Mm -hmm. And the most interesting times in my life are where there's great transformation or change. So drove myself to Knoxville, went to college, got a degree, left out of college, graduated and thought, what am I, what am I gonna do? Uh, drove myself to Charleston, South Carolina, where I knew no one and took a job there. Mm. And that started my career in an industry called wireless when it really didn't exist at the time. So mm. well, we can talk about the wireless industry at some time, but 
but from a personal journey, I, I went on to be married and have a child. I have been a single parent the majority of my daughter's life. She's 26 now. And I think that single parent has also uh, defined much of who I am uh, from a community standpoint. Um, and also my career choices, both in the wireless industry and then in payments. I didn't travel as a, as a child, as a teenager. Yep. I, <laughs> I traveled as an adult. So when you see this big, beautiful world and you experience the amazing people, um, the amazing architecture and, and everything that is built by God's hands, you have a different perspective on life rather than the little bubble maybe you grew up in. Yeah. So not only did my career just give me great opportunity to do that, um, also leaving the town that I grew up in. So where my, my focus, my core, my anchor was that small town community, what really helped me blossom as an individual and understand how important community and, and individuals are in your life is really the travel that I was able to experience as an adult. Gotcha. So my, my spiritual journey, just real quick, my spiritual journey is one of um, I told you I grew up in the church in small rural America, going to a Baptist church that my father grew up in. Uh, my daughter was baptized Lutheran. Um, my mother now goes to a Presbyterian church, and most mornings I'm was watching an Episcopalian service. So, <laughs> so any and all of the above, um, you know, I, much like my travel and much like my journey in, the, in my career, my life, I'm not sure that I actually have a church home, meaning four walls with a yep. lot of people, but where two or more are gathered, right, gotcha. is, uh, is where that church home is today. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's one of the things that's really interesting with, with COVID is I think it's forcing everyone to challenge the assumptions around church, <clears throat> since most churches aren't really meeting, especially the bigger ones. Obviously, there's some you know, smaller churches that are meeting in person now, but, um, you know, the earliest disciples didn't really have four walls. They just sort of went out and met with yeah. people. And, um, you know, Jesus himself didn't have four walls, right? He just sort of went and, you know, met the Samaritan <clears throat> woman, which is, it's interesting. I'll, I'll come back to that because that's one of my favorite stories because I, I think yeah. it's, and I, I'm going to be curious to hear how you describe it, but I think it's sort of misunderstood and misconstrued uh, yeah. in terms of that, you know, the the woman at the well. Um, but I, a couple of different things that you said that were kind of amazing to me. I, I don't know that you know this, but uh, just uh, last month on the latest podcast, I talked about how I spent some time in an agricultural community in Platteville, Wisconsin. Uh, so this is when okay. I was like three to four. So that's kind of, so I guess oh. we've got, <laughs> so I've got that in my background. I'm kind of, you know, but, okay. um, and then, you know, also grew up uh, actually Southern Baptist, which is a whole nother story mm -hmm. because, um, you know, for anyone who knows the Southern Baptist history, they, they were Southern Baptists because they were pro-slavery, but somehow they went to Africa to evangelize. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's Southern Baptists in Liberia and, you know, one, so anyway, but um, I love kind of the, talk a little bit about just sort of what got you. I love sort of the fact that you took control and you drove, um, you know, to Knoxville and then drove to Charleston. Talk a little bit about if you could reflect at that age, like what <laughs> gave you sort of the the gumption, to use a Southern term, nerve, whatever, to just sort of go into the unknown. Yeah, so I I explore life as um, both art and science. And I know you've had a mm-hmm. podcast about you know, the science aspects of uh, spirituality and religion. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I was, um, I'll call it an artist as a child. So I'm somewhat of an introvert. I love to draw and paint. And so I was just intrigued um, by architecture and art. Um, But I am also very, um, very organized, very thoughtful, very resourceful. And so you may or may not have seen this uh, at three or four in an agriculture community, but uh, being very resourceful is, is part of that culture. So you're always problem solving. You're always on a journey. You're always looking for new ways, right, to do mm-hmm. things. Um, and not only new ways, but different ways. You know, if, if a livestock gets ill, uh, again, it's a, it's a science. It's a journey to try to figure out what's going on there. So I always had this love of exploration. Now that's, that's kind of painting a rosy picture on why I got myself into the car and drove. But the truth of the matter is, you know, when you grow up in an agriculture community on a farm, and I mentioned my father, we had a farm, but my father also worked in a factory full time for 47 years. And I actually worked in that factory as well. So I've been working my entire life, whether that be on the farm or my father, taking me to get my driver's license at the age of 16 and immediately driving to the nearest McDonald's, which by the way, was 20 miles away for me to get, for me to get a job. Wow. (laughs) Um, um, But, uh, but I also, I worked in this factory that my father worked in uh, two summers, the summer of my senior year in high school. And then the summer in between, I had to put myself through college. So I worked three different jobs at different times. So there's also this necessity of, you know, is this what I want to do uh, for my for the rest of my life? My father gotcha. is a great father. Um, we had a great living, um, but there was also this stigma, and so I always wanted to explore what that difference was. Why why do people see me differently? Mm. Um, so so this love of art and science, this love of exploration, this hardworking, resourceful mentality. And also just what else is out there? There's got to be more to life than this. And so I have, I have always had that explore mentality. Gotcha. Um, that, that's amazing. I mean, I, I think there, um, I, I wish there were, I think we, and I don't know if you got a perspective, Jason, but I, I just feel like that sense of exploration it seems like there's less of that nowadays with, well, you it know. It seems to me like if, if exploration is sort of the mode and model of your life, then you've got some amazing experiences then that you possibly had. Do you have one that maybe sticks out to you like, like the, 
the the woman at the well who had this crazy experience with Jesus. I mean, did you have one of those moments of that experience with the Lord that took, I mean, we can, we can all have our thinking, you know, changed. Um, but I think until you've put some rubber to the road and there's been an experience, I can't convince anyone of Jesus just by my words. They're going to have to have an experience with the Lord. Do you have one of those that maybe comes to mind as, you know, in this conversation? No, oh, that's a great question, and I, I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give um, you. So one of the first times I traveled to the Philippines, uh, it was for work, but and I had traveled there once before, but I was with a group, and I didn't, uh, I didn't really have uh, an experience. I was trying to figure out where I was and what to do and how to how to adapt to uh, the culture and the transportation and the, the work ethic. But the second time that I went back. It was really interesting because I was by myself, um, but uh, but I was traveling on business, so the business required you to use certain aspects, so um, uh, certain drivers uh, mm -hmm. to get you from one place to another, certain hotels, and I had not been out exploring, right? So I wanted to go out into the community and see and learn and uh, talk with locals and and so at one point I say to the driver, um, you know, I want to go to a restaurant with the locals. And the driver looked at me and said, you can't do that. And I thought, well, well why not? <laughs> right? <laughs> and, um, well, you know, why can't I go to a local restaurant? And, um, and it was one of those moments where um, understanding culture, understanding others, um, was very impactful in my life. It took a lot of conversation, which I think we also don't do enough of, right? Yeah. To understand why going to a restaurant in the evening um, as an American in a, different, in a different country was not the appropriate thing to do at that particular time. What I also didn't understand um, at that particular time was um, it, there were certain holidays that were taking place as well locally. And so again, this conversation started to unfold of, um, of why I needed to understand how it was inappropriate at the time. And so thinking about the Good Samaritan woman, you know, the Good Samaritan woman was going to the well, right? She was just, she was going to the well um, at a time that she was supposed to go, right? Um, yep. And there were these norms that she was trying to follow. Um, and and one of the most amazing times in her life happened, right? If not the yeah. most amazing. And so I think at some of those unexpected times, maybe even controversial times in our life, where if we listen, if we are open to conversation, and if we open our heart to that, we can learn so much. But we just don't do that most of the time. So you know, in a place I wasn't supposed to be, talking to someone I wasn't supposed to talk to, um, I learned so much just about the human aspects of how folks live their daily life in a place I had I had not spent a lot of time. Yeah, that that is amazing, and I mean the one of the things with the woman at the well story that I think a lot of times we kind of miss is you know you're right in, in pointing out that it was it, it, she was going there because that was the right time because she really wasn't married so that was the sort of norm for when she should go there and then there's also the um 
the during that time in that first century um the women weren't really supposed to talk to men for example right yeah. so you yeah. know the fact that if you kind of go back to that bible uh passage there's when the disciples finally joined jesus they were not so even though the stigma was you know why are you talking to a samaritan woman they were more concerned with why is he talking to a woman you're not supposed to talk to a woman she's less than right it's, uh, it was yeah. at least a connotation and so it's kind of interesting that i think a lot of times even as kids we miss that element of the story that jesus was sort of going out of his way to talk to those people who were sort of uh, abandoned and isolated and was sort of yeah. promoting women, if you will. Yeah, you know, I've, I've heard the term brokenness, right, when talking about the Good Samaritan woman, right? This was a woman who was broken, but, mm -hmm. but Jesus took the time, right? And when, when you see her, and I say see because I can visualize this, right, her reaction, she could not contain her joy, right? Um, at when she when she realized that she was actually talking to the Messiah, yeah. and so, you know, thinking about this woman going going there in brokenness, right, being exposed, right, um, yeah. at the at the same time, to your point, um, talking to someone that she uh, was she was doing a tour that typically goes unnoticed as well, right, gathering water. And then this encounter with Jesus brings her from this brokenness into this just complete joy. And, you know, I think a lot about this in various different ways. Again, coming from a rural community, um, being, you know, being a, a single parent, um, being someone who, uh, you know, is, doesn't come from, uh, you know, financial wealth. You know, we, I think we all think about the brokenness in our life at, at certain points, but, but at the same time, I think that's why conversation and experience and exploration are just so amazing to bring us from that brokenness into joy, particularly in that exploration of our spiritual life. Right. Yep. I am um, Sam. I know I've shared with you. Sometimes, sometimes Oprah is is my pastor on Sunday mornings. I love Super Soul Sunday, <laughs> and I know I've shared some of those with you. Right. But um, there's a question she typically asks her guests of, you know, what's the difference between religion and spirituality? And you know, many of the guests will talk about religion being the this organized practice, like a, like you said during COVID. You know, the church, the church has changed. But, but they talk a lot about the spirituality and this joy and this feeling that you get um, and um, where, where you're moved in various ways based upon that spiritual joy that you, that you receive. Um, so for me, I have so many references to, uh, to the Samaritan woman. I'll give you one other, not necessarily an experience I had traveling, but there's a, uh, I told you I'm, I'm an artist by trade. As a child, I drew and painted a lot. And there's this really small book, uh, it's by the lady by the name of Nicole Johnson, and it is called The Invisible Woman, When Only mm. God Sees. And so, um, so there's that book, there's another book that talks about the great cathedral builders of our time. And so we think about the invisible woman or the folks who are building these cathedrals. Many of these folks, we never know their name, right? Yep so many amazing artists and so many amazing people in, in our lives that have made these 
um, great transformations and change and built beautiful things, but we don't know their name, but the impact that they had um, on not only just visually, right, uh, the great cathedral builders, but also just our spirituality and the, the lessons that we learn from them. So, you know, God sees, and there's a, there's a story in The Invisible Woman, um, you know, when it's about, you know, you may know, you may not think anybody else sees who you are and what you do, just like the Samaritan woman, right? Mm -hmm. um, she, she didn't, she, she thought the only people who saw her thought poorly of her, but God saw her, right? Mm -hmm. uh, God sees. And so, um, so this is why I, I was so excited to be talking with you today, but also just this concept of the good Samaritan, because God sees when nobody else does. Yep, no one's no one's insignificant uh, in his sight, that's, and it's that's very evident uh, during in in the context of the Samaritan woman. Um, some may not know this, and some may, but the, she should have been gathering water in the morning um, mm -hmm. with other women, but because of her predicament of the multiple men that she'd been married to, and then the one she was living with was not even her husband at the time, she sought to hide. Um, and not be out there with other women at the same time. And, you know, I don't believe, I don't believe anything that the Lord did in any of his walking was by happenstance that he just happens upon somebody. I think that in, it's the father's heart to seek out these types of moments uh, for people. And uh, I would, I think of a, um, in, in all of the walk of Christ, even it, those were his every days. It was him seeking for those moments that these things would just be um, revealed to others that, that he, he already knew. I mean, he was all God, all man. So in every moment, he knew everything that he was walking by. He knew this young lady when, when he walked up to her. He knew everything about her and everything that he needed to know in the moment. Probably walked there on purpose, you know, even, even for that, even if it wasn't for her which it was, but it could have been just for the, you know, he did it for multiple reasons, even just to, to rock the disciples' thought processes about why he's sitting there talking to somebody. So those all work very diligently uh, together. Um, a, another thing that comes to mind is, uh, and uh, our whole show is based upon, or the, our, our whole concept of, of conversation is really centered around the moment of the the one who stopped, and the Good Samaritan is the one who finally stopped after everyone else didn't stop. Um, is there any uh, personal insight? Yeah, so I'll speak about this from a philanthropy perspective, and, and Sammy and I talk a lot about servant leadership, but I, I think one of the things to think about, you know, for me personally, when I think about stopping, Number one, my, my parents, I told you, I grew up in a small town. My parents were, uh, you know, just exemplary Samaritans, right? My, my father stopped for anyone and everyone, and my mother still does to this day, including all God's creatures. So if, if there's a dog on the road, we're stopping <laughs> because God created, God created um, all these beautiful things, right, including God's creatures. So, but, um, but I will tell you that one of the things that, that I love to talk about is my passion for the work of the United Way and the United Way of Greater Atlanta. And sometimes when I'm talking about that, I don't tell my personal story. And, and I need to be more transparent in that and tell that story. The reason I'm so passionate about the United Way of Greater Atlanta is because I am the kid who got the backpack. 
right? Seventy hmm. percent of the children in the town that I grew up in uh, are to this day on free or reduced lunch. And hmm. so, you know, I didn't go to the store to buy supplies, school supplies, right? You showed up at school, you got lunch there, you got your supplies. Um, but I never really understood kind of where that came from. And so I, I now in my adult life, uh, knowing what an impact that United Way had on my life, I try to use those experiences to stop as many times as I can. And so I've had tremendous experiences and I'll share a couple with you. Um, so I, one of the things that I loved as a child and I love it as an adult is swimming. And so I have had the opportunity to, um, to interact with children who have been part of the Horizons program, particularly at Atlanta Technical College. And one of the young ladies that I spoke to, her name was Adriana, um, she shared with me what she loved so much about that program, and it was swimming. And for me, that was a stop moment. It was, it took me back to my childhood, um, mm -hmm. learning how to swim, being able to go into town to the local, <laughs> local pool and take Red Cross uh, swimming lessons and what a joy that was in my life. And when this young girl you know, shared that with me and her face just lit up, you know, that was, that was a God moment for me. I, I love the, the book, you know, when God winks at you, right? That was a little God wink to me <laughs> and, a, and a stop moment. Um, the other, um, the other uh, one I'll share with you, I have so many, but um, the, um, I was, I had an opportunity to visit the Hollis Innovation Academy, and I don't know how much you know about that here in Atlanta, but that school uh, has only been open two to three years at this point, but uh, originally the school was across the street, and they actually had to close it down. It was so bad, um, mm. and for, for so many reasons. But I told you I'm a, I'm a single parent, and I had the opportunity to mentor a young woman one day uh, at that school. And you know, at first, uh, when I when I was when I walked up to her as her mentor, she kind of looked at me like, "Oh no." <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, uh, but uh, as the day went along, um, we were able to share various things and. You know, and we talked about her love for art. I went to art class with her. She was also in a STEM lab, um, and I worked in technology my entire life, so we shared stories about that. So as the day went along and as the day was ending, um, she said, oh, Miss Corn, are you, gonna, are you coming back tomorrow? And I said, well, no, I'm, I'm not coming back tomorrow, um, but maybe I can come back another day. And she's like, well, are you coming back next week? And I said, well, no, not coming back next week, but let me, you know, I'll work uh, with the teachers and see when I can come back. And, um, and the young little woman's name, uh, young old lady, her name was Akila. And she looked at me and she said, well, you have to come back. You have to come back by next week. And I just couldn't understand why it was so imperative for me to come. And I said, well, I, I'm not sure, but why do I need to come back next week? And she said, well, you have to come back next week because um, my, my mother uh, got another job and she can't bring me to school and my little brother didn't get in the school so she has to take us two different places and we don't have transportation and so what I didn't know was this school has one of the highest rates of, um, of uh, children moving you know every kind of mm. three to six months within the Atlanta public school system because of the support systems that they need, whether that be transportation, whether that be food, whether that be 
um, access to childcare. And so it was another one of those stop moments of, you know, I'm very privileged, I'm very blessed, I'm able to get my child from one place to another, but, but this mother wasn't. And this child was afraid that she wasn't gonna be there the fall, after the following week if, if, her, if, if the supplies and the resources were not provided to her mother. So another one of those stop moments, just grace and blessings and, and a moment to say, okay, what else can I do? And so those stories, as well as many others, uh, lead me to my passion around providing resources for families, uh, victims of domestic violence, and access to education and healthcare uh, for, for those uh, who we have systematically oppressed and don't have access to those things today. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Uh, and one of the first questions you sort of asked uh, when you were doing your intro was sort of, why me? And I think part of what we want to do with, with this podcast is really go after people who, you know, while we all might be in business and there's a, a goal to make money, the uh, we want to identify and talk to people who, um, even with the rat race going on basically continue to serve and be servant leaders and so that's why why i kind of selected you with some of those stories even though i didn't know uh particulars about them and we didn't talk beforehand on some of these details i just kind of felt in the time we've kind of got to know each other in our other nonprofit group that we serve on that you kind of exemplified the samaritan um, who would stop um, by the road and kind of spend some time with someone else. And so that's really, you know, why you, you got the invitation. It's just really about, you know, how do we kind of talk to others out there about how, um, you know, to your point about religion, it's not so much about religion, it's about the relationship and sort of living out um, what Christ wants us to to live out, being more Christ followers than quote unquote Christian, because that kind of has its own connotations nowadays, yeah. some of which yeah, aren't positive. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, whether we're talking, you know, and you know, you and I've talked a lot about various things that we've read, right? So I'm a, I'm a big reader. And so whether I can, whether I can share stories like that, or whether I can um, you know, a couple kind of my favorite things. So whether I can say to someone in business, you know, the Zig Ziglar, uh, you know, that God wants to take you from a place of a survival, right, to stability and from stability to success. But success is not the end, however you defined it, right? Yep. Success, moving from success to significance, right? And what significant means. And significance doesn't necessarily mean something that I personally, for me, significance means the impact that I've had on someone else, right? Yep. So, so whether we're talking, you know, whether we use a Zig Ziglar reference when we're talking to people in business or whether we use scripture, right? Um, um, Jason, you mentioned, you know, that creative aspect. I love the word transformation. I love the word change. Uh, Sam knows this. I change, I thrive in it. And I love, you know, the Romans uh, scripture around do not be conformed. Um, to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And mm -hmm. so when we open, it's back to that exploration of when we open our mind to the exploration, when we open our mind to 
um, to empathy and listening, right? We talk so much about the aspects of servant leadership and open, you know, renew our mind by reading and, and learning that lifelong learning. Um, then we can, uh, right, in that scripture, uh, do what it says, which is prove what is good um, and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. Um, but, we, but we have to, we can't be conformed, right, to the, to the world. We have to be transformed. And, uh, and I think so much of my life has been driven by that. I said earlier on, right in the conversation, that so many aspects of the, some of the hardest times of my life have been driven by change and transformation and hard decisions um, that I have made along the way. But it has made me a person uh, of greater faith um, yeah. in, in all those aspects. So I'll close actually with a, with a story about my daughter. Uh, which I haven't talked about. So when we, when we think about children, you know, in, in today's environment in particular, um, you know, children see you, they hear you, um, they are learning from you. Um, you are an example. And my parents, even growing up in the South, were a great example to me. They were the Good Samaritan. They stopped for everyone, no matter who that person was. Um, and, uh, and my daughter... Uh, I'll tell a story. When she was young, we were um, we were volunteering up in North Fulton at North Fulton Community Charities, and she was helping out in a Santa shop. Uh, it's a it's an area where um, people um, who are of lesser means can come and buy holiday uh, get holiday gifts for their family. And um, and my daughter was helping someone, and my daughter came over to me, and she was just crying. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what has happened? And she said, Mom, Mom, we have a problem. I'm like, okay, what's the problem? We're going to solve the problem. And she said, all, all, uh, my, all the person is looking for is socks. She just wants socks. She just wants socks for her children, and we don't have socks. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, that humility, that empathy uh, for someone else. Um, we are teachers. Hate is taught. Um, disrespect for others is taught. And, um, you know, we, we have to both show that in our actions, words, and deeds um, with our time, talent, and resources and, um, and, and teach children. Um, but we also have to protect children. Well, on that note, that's a perfect ending. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Amy. Thank you to all those listening. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back again next month.